Welcome to 50 Shades of Wealth, Confessions of a Real Estate Investor, the show where you'll learn the real estate investing secrets of the pros. Your host, Sarah Jung, pulls back the curtain and shows you how to build wealth with real estate investing. Welcome to 50 Shades of Wealth, Confessions of a Real Estate Investor, the show where we talk about the good, bad, and ugly when it comes to real estate investing and strategies for building long-term wealth through education and personal growth. I'm your host, Sarah Jung, CEO and founder of Legacy Bloom Investments, a multifamily investment company helping people with passive income opportunities. My hope with this podcast is to help educate, motivate, and inspire you to become not only savvy real estate investors, but also a self-improved and empowered human being so that you can build the financial security you want and deserve. And today, I'm really excited to have with us a very special guest, Brian Briscoe. I actually met Brian about a year ago at a multifamily conference, and I've just been so impressed with the growth that he's had in the last year with his multifamily investing. And I just really wanted to talk to him about his experience. So I'm really excited that he's on my show today. Brian is co-founder of the multifamily investment firm Four Oaks Capital, which currently has 7.5 million in multifamily assets under management. He's also the host of the exciting new podcast, Diary of an Apartment Investor, which brings an experienced and aspiring investor together on each episode. He is also an active duty Marine Lieutenant Colonel stationed at the Pentagon and will retire in 2021 after 20 years of service. Welcome, Brian, and thanks for being on the show today with me. So thanks a lot, Sarah. Appreciate absolutely. it. Absolutely. So that's pretty impressive. So you are a Marine Lieutenant Colonel. And you're stationed at the Pentagon. So tell us a little bit more about your background and how you got started and what made you go into the Marines. Back in high school, one of my friends got a scholarship at the Naval Academy. And he was one of the smartest kids in the school. You know, he was an athlete, but like literally, hands down, probably the smartest kid in the school. And I remember looking at him and saying, why are you wasting such a good brain on the military? You know, so it wasn't my intent from the beginning to do military. So I got in, went to college and I started you know, learning, getting into math. I want to be a college professor up front. And after four or five years in the math community, I had a master's degree and I started looking around at all my college professors and I realized that I wanted their job, but I didn't want to be like any one of them. A lot of them were very awkward, very antisocial, you know, mm -hmm. and I kind of had this realization like 23, 24 years old that if I did what they did, I would end up becoming like they are. And that kind of scared me. It was just like, you know what? I want their job. I don't want to be like them. And so mm -hmm. I started looking at things that would broaden my horizon. And a friend of mine was a reservist in the Marine Corps. And he spoke very highly of it. And I'm like, you know what? I can do reserves. I think that would help me. And so got into the reserves, you know, and it was obviously there's more than just what I can get from it, from going in the reserves. A lot of other good things to do if you're just looking for, for self-benefit. But anyway, I get in the reserves and I started a PhD program. And right after I started a PhD program, World Trade Center went down. Oh, wow. So I'm a reservist, bottom of the barrel mm -hmm. as far as rank goes. And I decide, hey, you know what? I'm just going to go active duty. I mean, President Bush at the time gets on the TV and says, we're calling up our reservists. You know, we're going to go to the war, global war on terror all of that stuff. And I started looking at what I wanted. And I just started thinking, if I get called up at the wrong time, a 12-month deployment could set me back two to three years in school. And I just decided, you know what, I'm not going to put off the inevitable. I'm just going to do it. And mm -hmm. so I went active duty. 
volunteered for an active duty tour and then a couple of years later took orders somewhere else you know they i had a chance to get out and i decided to stay in for one more tour they gave me the one job that i said if i get that job i will stay in so and what I was job kind of, was that it was uh the marine officer instructor at san diego state so basically i worked for the naval rotc program at san diego state mm. And the reason I said I want that job, I still wanted to be a college professor at this time. And I thought this will give me a chance to work at a university, get some experience and potentially start working on my PhD again, get back into the swing of things. And lo and behold, they gave me the exact job that I wanted, the exact job that I asked for. And it turns out that after three years of doing that, I really thought, you know, I kind of like this Marine thing. So Anyway, that's kind of how that worked out. But, you know, and that, that was, let's say, I think 2006 was my first opportunity to get out. 2009 is where I made the decision to stay in for one more tour. And that kind of sealed the deal for me. But yeah, so I've now been active duty for 19 years. Wow. Um, maybe a little more, depending on how you count. But, you know, a year from now, I'll retire. So that, wow, that's good for you. Yeah, thanks. And thank you for your service, by the way. And I'm yeah. sure everybody can agree. Yeah, I appreciate that. So... Like I said, I was very reluctant at first, but it's a good job. There's purpose. And mm. I wake up knowing that I'm in a, a profession that makes a difference and that matters. So that's always nice. So you had mentioned that you had wanted to be a college professor. So would you say that you like teaching? Do you like the aspect of teaching? I do. Students? Yeah, I, I very much like teaching. I've always been able to learn things easily and I've always enjoyed teaching. So that's really why I wanted to be a college professor. And I, I think I found that one thing I love about real estate, especially commercial real estate and multifamily syndication is it's not cutthroat. There's a lot of collaboration and a lot mm -hmm. of people who are just looking for a little more information. So I get to, as often as I want, teach other people how to do it. And most of it's just little calls here, little calls there, emails here, emails there. But you know, I think I think once I retire from the Marine Corps, we'll start something a little more formal, some formal education program that, that the Four Oaks will end up doing. That sounds great. And we look forward to that. You know, Brian, when we started talking on uh, right before the show, I was just telling you how impressed I was just the growth that I've seen on social media and everything and things have really taken off for you. Uh, what What made you decide to go into real estate specifically and then what made you decide on multifamily so real estate i mean this this is going to be very cliche rich dad poor dad sure you know i read the, i read the book you know and it was like 2005 2006 time frame and i was living in japan at the time that's where i was stationed and i read the book and i'm like man as soon as i get back to the states i'm going to start buying houses I moved to San Diego in 2006, and fortunately, I did not buy a house in San Diego in 2006. But okay, I, looked, I was going to say because that was when the crash started oh to show. Yeah, that was like the peak, you know. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I remember looking around, and I was pre-approved for I thought it was an outrageous amount, three hundred and fifty thousand dollars for a home loan. And I grew up in Salt Lake City, and three hundred fifty thousand dollars buys <laughs> you, you know, at the time, like. 4,000 square feet in an acre, you know, but in San Diego, it bought you a 900 square foot condo with no mm -hmm. yard. And we crunched the numbers and my mortgage would have been all included $3,500 a month, but I could rent something twice as big for 2000 a month. And the numbers just didn't add up. And I'm like, what? I'm not going to buy here. And I was disappointed, but then I realized 
there were other places that I could buy, you know? And so I started looking at my hometown, Salt Lake City, and ended up buying my first investment property in Salt Lake. That was 2007. Market crashed. And then I don't remember if it was 2008 or 2009, but we closed on a, a place in San Diego post-crash. So we started investing in, in single family, had a couple of deployments come up that paused things, you know, so, so mm-hmm. three deployments in five or six years. So the single family home kind of came to a pause because of my day job. But once I kind of saw the light at the end of the tunnel, I wanted to get back into to real estate. And I just realized, hey, single family works. But in order for me to get the passive income that I wanted, mm-hmm. I would have to have like 60 or 80 single sure. family homes, which meant 60 contracts, 60 mm-hmm. closings, you know, 60 roofs and 60 everything. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, I caught wind of multifamily, you know, started listening, you know, I, I think it was a bigger pockets book that that I read, you know, started listening to the Michael Blancs, the Joe Ferris's, the Rod mm-hmm. Cleefs of the world. And yeah, just decided to throw my lot in with a coaching program. And then you know, started going to all the events and everything mm-hmm. else. And yeah, so met a couple of like-minded guys with very similar goals just a great group of people. And we decided to form Four Oaks Capital. That was kind of the nuts and bolts of how it happened. So going from single family to multifamily, because, you know, definitely understand the scalability part of it, right? So single family, you know, as you said, you have 60, 70, 80 homes and you have to singularly on each home have a property manager and all that. So what attracted you, you know, besides that, was there something specific of multifamily? And from a scalability standpoint, did you have a goal as far as how many units that you needed to obtain with multifamily to reach your goal? It wasn't a unit. It was an income goal that I had. You know, I made this goal probably two, two and a half years ago. But when I retire, I'll get a pension, but it's going to be about one third of what I'm making right now. So my goal was in three, four years at that retirement date, my real estate will basically bridge that gap. So that was the goal. And however many units it took, you know, mm-hmm. I was going to get there. Quite frankly, I think at first I was looking at these little six unit and eight unit apartments. I didn't quite grasp the concept of partnering. Actually, I did. I grasped the concept of partnering. But at one point I just thought, who's going to want to partner with me? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm a nobody. I, I have two single family houses. If I try to get one of these 50 or 80 or 100 unit apartment buildings, who's going to want to partner with me? And so I struck out alone. I wasn't going to meetups because it was just like, well, I have nothing to offer. It was kind of my mindset. And I just started looking for, for the smaller multifamily home or uh, properties. But yeah, then I think the, the light went on later. I, I was very fortunate to meet somebody at a big event in the DC area. He's also in the mm-hmm. DC area. We've got a very similar history. He's retired military. You know, his last duty station was the Pentagon. And at the time I had just started working at the Pentagon, but just a 10 minute conversation with him opened my eyes. You know, it was mm-hmm. just, he literally put his hand on my shoulder and he's like, Brian, you don't need to be doing that. He's like, just find a partner and go big. And I was just like, you know, and it was, of course, the conversation. I'm just like, I don't know. He just, just the way he did it, the way he said it, the way he was talking with me, I walked away from that conversation with like so much confidence that it was, it was a game changer. It was just one of those moments in my life where it was like, you know what? He's right. 
I can do it. I can find a partner. I can bring value to a relationship. And I think prior to that, you know, I had a lot of limiting beliefs on who I was, mm. you know, anyway, I, I started and I'll use the seventh grade dance analogy. You know, your first dance in seventh grade, mm-hmm. there's a couple people in the middle dancing and everybody else is standing on the wall, you know, so yeah. That conversation basically took me from the wall to the dance floor. So instead of standing on the wall and watching everybody else, I decided, you know what? I need to do something. I need to be the type of person that can attract partners. Yeah. And that's an amazing story because it really just takes one person to just say something to you that just resonates with you and just changes your life. It sounds like, and that's a pretty amazing moment. It sounded like for you. And so when you made that change, when you started to get into kind of the active investing part, was there specific hurdles that you started facing and how did you come together with your other partners that you have today? Oh, there, there's hurdles. There were hurdles at every single step. I mean, sometimes I think I'm running a hurdle race, you know? Just, <laughs> um, yeah. So I think the first big hurdle was getting used to large dollar amounts. I mean, mm. I had two single family homes in areas that were fairly high cost of living, you know, almost a million dollars worth of real estate in just a couple of houses. But trying to get the idea of, I want to buy a property that's $3 million, $4 mm-hmm. million, $5 million, that took a lot of getting used to that idea. And it wasn't immediate. Talking to brokers, I think, is a huge hurdle for a lot of people. I kept on getting shut down. And I'd call a broker and they'd ask me a couple of questions. I mean, they were, they were betting me. They were trying to determine whether or not they should spend time with me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't cross the line in the sand for them to spend time with me a lot. So I would call a dozen brokers and maybe get one that would add me to his distro list, but mm-hmm. he wouldn't take calls, you know? So that was a big hurdle as well. Raising money for me was a big hurdle. I didn't think I'd be successful at raising money. I think we found something that really works but just many, many hurdles. And I started posting in a lot of forums, you know, a couple Mm -hmm. on Facebook that were real estate related. The coaching program I I was in had this forum to post in. It was Michael Blanc coaching program, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, we met at at one of his events, Mm -hmm. but I kept on posting in this forum and started talking with this guy named Eric, you know, and uh, first started talking with him because I realized he was in South Carolina, which is one of my target markets. And one day, lo and behold, we realized we're chasing the same deal. You know, we're talking <laughs> to the same brokers and we get in a phone call. And after talking about this deal for five or 10 minutes, Eric just says, why don't we collaborate? Let's not compete mm-hmm. on this. Let's collaborate. You know, so I thought, you know what? I'm looking for partners. He's asking to collaborate. I was nervous. I mean, I was just like, you know, I barely know this guy. I've talked to him. I mean, it wasn't our first conversation. You know, I probably talked to sure. him two or three times on the phone before. You know, but it was just one of those things where I'm like, I need a partner. I know I need to partner with somebody. He's extending the olive branch or whatever the analogy is. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, that's what I said. I'm like, okay. You know, and I had to give myself a little pep talk on the inside. I'm like, <laughs> okay, you can do that. Yeah. Hey, Eric, sure. Yeah. Let's compare notes. And so we started comparing notes. We started talking. We put an LOI in on this deal. We didn't get it. And a couple of weeks later, another deal came across his desk. Another deal came across my desk. We started talking again. I made a trip down to South Carolina. We walked the property together. We kept on corresponding. And finally, after several LOIs that went out, we came under contract on something. 
So that's how it worked, you know, and it was, like I said, I stopped hanging out on the fringes of, of the dance floor and I started getting involved in these forums. And at first I wasn't adding a whole lot of value, but the more I was involved, the more I learned and the more I was mm-hmm. able to give back. And yeah. I think it was the teacher in me that really helped and was able to attract other partners. You're listening to 50 Shades of Wealth, Confessions of a Real Estate Investor. Want a free guide to behind-the-scenes secrets of real estate investing? Head on over to LegacyBloom.com and claim your free book today. That's actually something I want to ask you was your experience in the service with teaching. To me, I mean, I would imagine that that would translate really well into investing. And so it sounds like that uh, you're a natural teacher. So when you found your partner and you found this deal, did you at some point think to yourself, boy, I'm glad I had that background? Or how did you feel that your background in the military helped you with putting these deals together? There's a lot of things in the military that really help, you know. Um, and my background is what put me in that spot. It's, it's hard to disconnect, but there's this don't give up attitude, you know. And mm-hmm. I think that really helped me push through a lot of the obstacles. In the Marine Corps, we talk about mission accomplishment above all else. We, mm-hmm. we have this mission and come hell or high water, we're going to do it. We're going to accomplish the mission. And that's, uh, that's something that I think, you know, I relied on a lot is just the tenacity and the grit that you have to have to, to do what I do on a daily basis, you know? So yeah, you know, it got me over a lot of the hurdles. It got me through a lot of things. And the first deal wasn't rainbows and unicorns. There were a lot of hurdles to get over in that first deal. And a lot of it was just, you know, I sit down and, and, I think one thing that the Marine Corps and military in general talks about is the value of planning. You know, you Mm. plan for a lot of things. You learn as much as you can and you plan and plan and plan. And, you know, there's a famous quote from a now dead general. I don't know who it was, but um, I think this was Eisenhower that said this. He's like, the the plan is nothing, but planning is everything, you know? Mm -hmm. So just one of those where the more, the more you plan, the more you immerse yourself in a certain situation the better off you're going to be because the plan never goes like it's supposed to. I, I wish all of our plans yeah. went the way we wanted to, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. if you spend the time planning and plotting and, and getting to know the situation, you're able to pivot and you're able to mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, things went sideways. Now, which direction do we go? Well, you have that background of all the planning and that's that really helped us get through the first deal was to be able to pivot at a couple of crucial junctures and still get the deal done. Wow. Well, thanks. Thanks for sharing that, you know, and kind of taking more of a pivot into my questions on the, your multifamily experience and something, something a little bit more personal. And, you know, our show here is about making confessions. And uh, so I'd like to ask you, Brian, is there a confession that you'd like to share with us and our listeners that uh, you learned and how it relates to real estate? You know, my, my biggest confession, I, I think I've already said it is, I didn't believe myself in myself enough upfront. You know, I remember when I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, he talks about commercial real estate. And I remember reading that book thinking I could never do that. And that's why I started doing single family. And when I decided to do multifamily, the jump was, well, maybe I'll get a fourplex or maybe I'll get a sixplex. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was looking for. And once again, the confession there is I didn't think that I could do anything bigger anything more than that. And it took a lot of wrestling and a lot of personal growth to be able to get to the point where I had confidence to be able to talk to brokers. 
Sure. I mean, my, my first broker phone call was probably, I was probably a bumbling mess, you know, <laughs> um, probably gave myself a high five afterwards too, <laughs> just for getting it done. But I think I'm a natural introvert. Picking up the phone and calling people is mm-hmm. not something I like to do, uh, especially people I don't know. Picking mm-hmm. up the phone and calling people I don't know is not something that I like to do. And a lot of times I have to, I have to push past that. Is there something specific you do to help push you past that? Is there something you tell yourself or is there something you kind of practice on a regular basis? I, I just remember my why. I have a countdown until when I, when I, when I'm supposed to retire, 342 days mm-hmm. is what it is. And I keep that number right in front of me and keeping that number in front of me reminds me that I have to replace my active duty income mm-hmm. in 342 days. And we're on track to do it, you know? So I, right now I'm, I'm confident that's going to happen, but just remembering, keeping that in front of me 342 days from now, I'm not going to have the, the same level of income that I have for my W-2 job. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is I have partners that I'm accountable to. So there's a certain expectation that I do certain things. And so I know that at some point I'm going to have to get on a call with these guys or talk to these guys and say, well, shoot, you know, I, I was too scared to call him or too scared mm-hmm. to call her. And that's more scary to me than picking up the phone and calling people. Well, you know, I think a lot of us can relate. And I know a lot of the listeners can relate to you because for a lot of other people too, it's really hard to pick up the phone, talk to people. It's hard to talk to people you don't know. And even when you do that on a regular basis, even people that do that just every day, it's still a hard task to do. So I want to just give you a lot of credit for that and just pushing past that because I also personally can relate to that because that, that's a hard thing uh, to do. You had yeah. mentioned limiting beliefs. And I think that's something that a lot of us struggle with. And it's interesting because a lot of those lim- limiting beliefs actually, you know, it prevents us from making those decisions and it prevents us from taking action. Was there anybody in your circle that helped you or gave you support to kind of help you push through some of these hurdles no. you had? I'd say my wife in a lot of ways, you know, I remember when I made the decision that I wanted to go active duty, it was just me thinking a lot of deep thinking and introspection. I remember going home one day thinking, man, this is going to suck. I have to convince her. I'm positive. This is what I want to do. And I said, you know, confess to her, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. And she's like, okay, let's do it. Same thing. You know, when it came time for first buying the single family homes, she had reservations, but she said, okay, do it. If that's what you mm-hmm. think is best, do it. I trust you. And you know, same thing with multifamily. When I said, hey, I want to spend a whole lot of money on this coaching program so that I can learn how to buy big apartment buildings. Mm-hmm. Her response was, okay, do it. So, I mean, that's been, I think the biggest support is just my wife. Since then, I found a couple of partners that are amazing people and great partners to have. They've also been a huge support in a lot of things. So, yeah. I mean, they were super supportive, helping get the podcast off the ground, which has been mostly my baby. Yeah. Um, Congratulations, by the way. So I see the episodes coming out. And by the way, so everybody knows, can you say the name of your podcast again? Yeah, it's Diary of an Apartment Investor. And I think it's a little different because we typically bring two guests on every episode. We bring somebody who's experienced, like most podcasts do, but we also bring an aspiring investor. So someone who's newer to the game. Mm-hmm. And at one point, you know, about halfway through each each episode, I look at the aspiring investor and say, hey, we have so-and-so on the line here who's super experienced. 
what do you want to ask them? And it's mm. teaching, you know, so we have that aspiring investor, the newer person asking questions to someone who's light years ahead of them. And I think it's magical. It's fun to do. It's fun to watch. And it really helped a lot of the aspiring investors out. That's great. And actually, when you first came out with it, I was like, oh, man, that's such an awesome podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you've had a lot of great feedback on it. So good job on that. You know, it's really interesting, your story and kind of your journey, just kind of thinking about it from where you started to where you are now. And for somebody who, you know, has been in the military, going to be retiring, you said you're introverted. And I think there's a lot of people out there that just maybe they're, they were in a similar place where they just think, you know, I don't bring value to anybody. How am I going to even get started? I don't know how to talk to brokers. I don't even know how to talk to agents. So I find that that belief about themselves is the number one hurdle of the issue that people just don't take action. And it's pretty impressive that you were able to work through that with the support of your wife, which congratulations to her. Uh, Sounds like she's been your cheerleader. And it's just so important to have a spouse or a friend, a mentor or whoever to really give you that support and just cheer you on. This business in this industry can be very discouraging many times, as you know, and there's a lot of struggles in it, but there's a lot of rewards. (laughs) So, um, and so when we talk about real estate investing, you know, it's not just like you buy a property and it's just not that simple. There's a lot of mindset and personal struggles that you go through to get there. So there's a lot of credit you should give yourself. Brian, I really want to thank you for just being vulnerable on my show. I have a couple more questions and then we're going to kind yeah, of wrap up here. Easy. What would you recommend to our listeners as far as just kind of one piece of advice? What would you tell them? I would say start with, and this is a Stephen Coveyism, start with the end in mind. Figure out where you want to go. You know, I, I often reference a little children's book slash movie, you know, Alice in Wonderland. She's at a position where the road splits and she asked Cheshire Cat, which way should I go? And his answer was, well, where are you going? And when she didn't know, he said, if you don't know where you're going, it doesn't matter which road you take. So mm. start with the end in mind, figure out where you want to go, where you want to get to. A lot of times, once you do that, the pathway there is just going to you know, magically appear. That's a great analogy. I love it. Thank you yeah. for sharing that. Is there any books that you're reading nowadays or are you a, a reader? I I am a reader. One book that I read every day is is the Book of Mormon. I'm also very religious, so I'd recommend that to anybody and everybody. The most recent book I'm reading business-wise is called The One-Page Marketing Plan. Alan Griggs, I think, is the author. I probably have it within arm's length. I just can't see it right now. But One-Page Marketing Plan and the other recent book that I just finished was Hunter Thompson Raising Capital book. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Nice. Well, Brian, you know, I have no doubts about your success and I'm really looking forward to seeing all of the deals that are going to be coming through, uh, especially on social media. So congratulations on the deals that you've already done, you know, just watching over the past year or so. It's really, it's just so neat to see people through that journey. And so I know, and you're going to reach your goal. I have no doubt about that. And you know that you're going to reach your goal. So so it sounds like you're going to make that happen. Well, thank you for just being such an inspiration you know, you're an inspiration to me because I can definitely relate to the introversion and kind of that fear of like getting out there and having people take you seriously. I think when you're first starting in this business, the fear of, you know, no one's going to take me seriously. Like they're not going to even listen to me. You know, if they don't take me seriously, how am I going to get started? And I think your point about partnership is such a good point because you can partner with somebody who has more experience or you can even get a mentor to help you through that process. So anyways, thanks for being here today. It was really just a pleasure just having you here. 
so for our listeners, how can we reach you? Uh, email address is, is easiest way, Brian Briscoe at fouroakscapital.com. Website is a great place, you know, um, like most websites, you put your email address in and one of us will contact you. We have a, a free ebook up on there too about comparing stock market to real estate investing. And then the last thing, you know, my podcast, if you want to listen to me, absolutely free diary of an apartment investor, just pull out your phone and tap a button. Perfect. And yeah. Perfect. And go. I've read your ebook, by the way. It's great. Oh, thanks. So, absolutely. That. Yeah. Everybody yeah, definitely check out his ebooks. Got some really good uh, nuggets of information in there. Well, Brian, thank you again so much. Thank you for listening, everybody. And until next time. Thanks for listening to 50 Shades of Wealth, Confessions of a Real Estate Investor with Sarah Jung. Make sure to visit us at LegacyBloom.com, where you can join our investor club and grab a free copy of Sarah's latest book. And if you like the show, don't forget to leave us a quick review. Be sure to tune in next time as Sarah pulls back the curtain once again and shares more Confessions of a Real Estate Investor.